Nice to see you. Uh, I think I know you all, but my name is Sam. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we're back in Leviticus. We've had a three-week break, and uh, we've come back. And, and say best to last, uh, 11 chapters uh, on holiness uh, and laws. Uh, the word holy or holiness comes up 28 times in these chapters. Uh, so uh, that's the topic uh, for today. Uh, and I wonder if we know what holiness is. How would you define it? Uh, I wonder if we want to be holy. Uh, I wonder if we know how to be holy. Uh, and I wonder if we know whether it's even bothering trying to be holy. Uh, so there's a lot going on in these passages. Uh, we've had a few readings. We'll refer to a few other bits. So let me pray as I begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a holy God. And we pray as we think through these uh, chapters now that you would remind us of your holiness and remind us of our call before you. Uh, we pray you'd open our hearts. May we see you and your grace, your love afresh today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, we're starting off in chapter 17. Uh, I've called this bit, uh, Life is the Blood. Uh, so uh, I think all the verses are on the screen, but feel free to look back to chapter 17, verse 11 as well. Uh, and verse 11 says this, for the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourself on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood, nor may any foreigner residing among you eat blood. Uh, before the tent of meeting was set up, uh, in the time of Leviticus, uh, the, towards the end of the Israelites' time in the wilderness, they were already making uh, sacrifices and offerings to God. Uh, but they're also making sacrifices and offerings to false gods. Uh, this is roughly three and a half thousand years ago. And the point seems to be of chapter 17, that now the tent of meeting is set up uh, where they can meet and that they have the sacrificial system to bring to God. All other sacrifices are to stop. Uh, obviously, they're to stop if they're to false gods, but any blood sacrifice is to stop outside of the tent of meeting. Everything's now to come is to come to the tent of meeting. In other words, blood is not to be taken lightly. That's what we start to see uh, throughout Leviticus, but particularly here in 17. Uh, so you can no longer make a sacrifice of blood in a field uh, and expect God's holiness to be satisfied. Uh, so have a look at verse 7 of chapter 17. Uh, it says just that, they must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols to whom they prostitute themselves, so false gods. This is to be a lasting ordinance for them and for the generations to come. Say to them, any Israelite or any foreigner residing among you who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the entrance to the tent of meeting to sacrifice it to the Lord must be cut, cut off from the people of Israel. Uh, so why is blood so significant? Uh, why can't they even eat blood of an animal they're slaughtering just to eat? So not a sacrifice. Uh, why can't they eat blood? Well, the answer is in verse 11. Uh, we've read it all, already. The life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Uh, if you remove the blood from an animal, uh, or from yourself, but I wouldn't recommend doing that, uh, you will die. It's literally the thing that gives you life, physically. Uh, and then the next question is, well, well, why do we need to be atoned? So we understand blood represents life. Why do we need to be atoned? 
Uh, why can't we just be at one with God? Why do the Israelites have to go through all this uh, rigmarole and sacrifices? Why can't they just be right with him? Why can't he make it all right? Uh, well, you'll be pleased to know we're not going through the whole series of Leviticus again. So I'd encourage you to uh, listen to the series online if you haven't already. But in short, because God is holy, he cannot reside, he cannot be in the same place as an unholy people. Uh, we thought about the illustration of light and darkness, that you just can't have the two in the same place. However hard we try, we can never be as wonderful or as glorious or as morally perfect or as just or as loving as a holy God. That's what we've seen throughout Leviticus. Uh, in fact, if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we're, we're actually full of hate and pride and self-centeredness rather than God-centeredness. Uh, we're not perfectly moral. We might try, but we're not perfectly moral, certainly not by God's standards. Uh, we're what the Bible simply calls sinners. Uh, that's what the word means. We don't live up to God's wonderful standards. So God cannot accept the Israelites or us into his presence. That's why the Holy of Holies, if you think back to uh, that, those chapters, was set up and it had a thick curtain separating the, the Holy of Holies, which represented the presence of God. Uh, God had to be set apart from his people. Uh, and that's what uh, holiness often means, to be set apart, as we'll see in it. So how could they draw near? Well, the blood of an animal had to be shed, a, a representative, a, a substitute life had to be given so that in your place, uh, they took your punishment and you could enter the presence of God. So don't eat blood of an animal, uh, the Israelites are told. Because the blood of an animal reminds you of how holy God is and how unholy you are. Uh, the blood is what uh, sets you apart. You need a substitute. To be, you need to be atoned for for your salvation. So don't eat the blood. It, it's sacred. It reminds you that your life needs to have a substitute. So when they sin, blood has to be shed. The life of another is demanded so it's serious uh, now in reality we, we've seen this throughout leviticus um, and we know it from our new testament an animal's blood cannot truly atone for us can it uh, it's it's like a picture a signpost of a greater sacrifice to come and so as we get into the new testament we see that jesus becomes the life substitute blood for us uh, so uh, here are a few verses on the screen. This is 1 John 1, verse 7. The blood of Jesus, God's son, purifies us from all sin. So all that illustrations of animals, God's testament, they all point to the true sacrifice. Uh, where is the life of Jesus in his blood? And it is shed for us. Or Hebrews 9, 14. How much more then? So speaking of the animal sacrifices, how much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death. We face death without blood, a substitute, so that we may serve the living God. Well, Revelation 1 verse 5, to him who loves us and has freed us from, us from our sins by his blood. If you want to be holy, if you want to be acceptable to a holy God, you can't achieve it through your own hard work or moral behavior, says Leviticus 17. Although it's, it's right to aim to be holy, we're going to see that in a minute, but you will fail. You need the lifeblood of another 
to be substituted in for your, yourself. Your sin will demand your blood, your life, before a holy God. So our only choice is to look to the blood of Jesus, our substitute, as he gives his life for ours. That's why Jesus had to die, as many of us, we know, of us know. That's why Jesus had to die and make a sacrifice on the cross and have his blood shed. So the blood reminds us of the gravity of our sin. It reminds us of the judgment that we face if we refuse the Lord Jesus and his substitutionary blood. Uh, now, uh, most Christians are happy to eat blood uh, of an animal uh, these days. Uh, the New Testament in Mark chapter 7, verse 19, Jesus declares all foods clean and he fulfills the sacrifice of the sacrificial system in himself, as we've already seen. Uh, but we do have another sacred reminder of the blood that saves us. Uh, we're actually sharing it today, the Lord's Supper, where we drink the wine and remember the blood of Jesus shed for us, his life for ours. Jesus' blood literally gives us his life. It's a, it, it had to happen that way. His life for us, ours, he makes us holy. So life is in the blood. Blood is significant. We'll remember it later uh, if we believe uh, that Jesus shed his for us. But being made holy by Jesus does not mean that we're now free to forget striving to be holy. It's not like we just go, well, you know, Jesus has made us holy, so now I'm not going to bother with anything. No, uh, the next section in Leviticus reminds us that we are to obedience. I call it holy obedience, chapter 18 to 20. So have a look at uh, verses 2 and 5 of chapter 18. It says this, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. That's the context. I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws. For the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. Uh, one of the unique points about being holy is that it means we are set apart. Uh, it means to be different. Uh, obedience to God and his rule is to be holy because it will set us apart from how the rest of the world is. Uh, the normal behavior and standards of the world around us will be different to obedience to God in all his holiness. That's exactly the point he's making uh, even back three and a half thousand years ago. We will behave differently to how we behaved before we became uh, believers in God. And if you don't believe in Jesus already today and in his blood for, uh, that forgives your sins, if you were to accept him into your life, that means to choose a different lifestyle. It means to choose to be living according to God's laws and decrees and his ways. And so you'll look different to how you looked before. You now live for him and not for yourself. So we saw in those verses, didn't we? Do not do as they do where you were. Do not do as they do in Canaan, where you're going. Do not follow their practices, he says. Instead, he says, be careful. In other words, it's easy to follow the world, isn't it? Be careful to follow my, the Lord's decrees. Holiness 
is to do as God wants us to do, not what we naturally want to do. Uh, now, we could spend a lot of time trying to convince ourselves that God's ways and his rule are just practically better for us in our life. Uh, it will just work out better. But the Bible doesn't really do that. The, the context for obeying God is simply that I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Or chapter 19, verse uh, 2, be holy because I am holy. If God is God of all, and not only that, God is the one who saves us from our sins by an atoning sacrifice, the blood of Jesus. And God is the one who loves us. And the God is the one who gave us life. And God is the one who will judge us and either condemn us to hell eternally or to heaven uh, forever with him. I, I fail to see what choice we have, seems to be the point of Leviticus. I am the Lord. Now do it. And I fail to see how we would strive to do anything else when he has given us the son, the life of his son. So to not bother or not want to seek to be holy says that we don't really appreciate the blood of Jesus in our lives at all. We'll surely want to be set apart from the world through obedience to God. Uh, the Western world is completely mixed up. Uh, in its sexuality, its relationships, its rights, its power, its purpose, its gender. Uh, it's rapidly rejecting the Christian moral structure on what, which much of the Western world was built upon. And so the world has no basis for any moral or just behavior other than whoever can shout loudest at a certain time. But God's people, well, they're called to be different. Don't be like they are in Egypt and Canaan and Worcester Park in London, you're called to be a different people, set apart, holy, obeying the decrees of God. So it's actually easy for us. We just obey God. Uh, verse 2 of chapter 19, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. That's, that's our role. We don't have to listen to the world and be swayed by them. We just obey the Lord. And being holy turns out not to be some kind of super spiritual uh, mindset or some sort of meditation for 30 years as a monk or a nun in a, in a monastery. It, it's simply obeying God's word, seeking to live as he calls us to live. And now in uh, Leviticus, uh, the commands come thick and fast. Uh, chapter 18 is mostly about sexual relationships. Uh, so it ex excludes sexual relations with any close relative, whether that's by marriage or blood. Uh, it tells us to be careful about temptations with our neighbours. Uh, I imagine that would be the ancient world's equivalent to pornography online. Your, your best chance of seeing some sexualized flesh is probably looking over the fence. Uh, it covers homosexuality. Uh, verse 22 of chapter 18, do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. Same-sex relationships are not part of God's design. Avoid it, says God. Uh, now, I realize how on PC that sounds, but it shouldn't surprise us because we're called to be different, to be set apart, not as the world does. 
That is what holiness is, to be different from the world's standards and to trust God's. It was exactly the same back then. Verse 24, do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that are going to drive, that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. That, that's how they defile themselves. Don't do it. Trust me, says God. The world even then practiced all of these things, but that doesn't make it right or good. Just as it's not right to sleep with your immediate family or to sleep with an animal that comes up in this chapter. If society said those things were okay, that doesn't make it right either. Presumably some people would like to do those sort of things as well. Does that make it right? Some people genuinely struggle with same-sex attraction. Does, does that make it right if you act on that? Some people struggle with lust for other people's husbands or wives. Does that make it right to act on that? Wanting to do something can never be a measure of what is right or wrong. That is generally how the world defines moral standards. So the world sees nothing particularly wrong with adultery or divorce, for example, but we, God saved people, whatever our feelings, turn to the holy laws of God. Despite our temptations and our desires, we seek to be different and to trust him. We put our God before our desires. Uh, so some, that will mean uh, a hard call to celibacy. For others, it might persevere in a difficult marriage. For others, it might mean a lifelong struggle with fighting fantasies. But our God is God. And he is worthy of all obedience. Uh, it is sometimes hard to know uh, as we move on through uh, which of the laws in uh, Leviticus, for example, still apply in New Testament times and which don't. Um, very generally, uh, the sacrificial laws are all completed, fulfilled in Jesus. So, so we no longer need to uh, sacrifice animals, for example. The societal laws are no longer relevant because Jesus now made a, a, a people of all nations. We're no longer a geographic people of Israel. We are now a people linked by faith in Jesus alone. But the moral laws, almost all of which are repeated in the New Testament by Jesus himself in many cases, they still apply. And chapter 19 uh, continues mostly moral laws, which cover a much wider breadth of topics. We haven't got time to look at them all now, so I'd encourage you to read it. Uh, some of them make obvious sense to us. So verse 11, do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. Uh, verse 14, do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. So care for the vulnerable. But fear your God. I am the Lord. There's the context again. Uh, others are uh, much more obscure and understanding why they're important is, is perhaps sometimes lost on us today. Verse 19 of chapter 19. Keep my decrees. Do not make different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed and do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. Uh, we're all in trouble if we're trying to keep that one. Uh, they're unusual ones for us. Uh, they don't appear to have any apparent moral impact on us, unlike the sexual laws, for example, the relationship laws. Uh, they're probably more about being distinct, set apart as a uh, societal people group in that time from the other nations. 
Uh, and so they don't seem to apply to us in necessarily the same way today. Uh, but the moral aspects of the law, if we're getting confused, are all summed up very neatly by the Lord Jesus. Uh, on the screen is Luke 10, verse 27. Uh, Jesus is asked how he would summarize the law, and he says this a few times. Uh, this is from Luke 10. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. What do we find in these chapters of Leviticus? I am the Lord your God. Straightforward. You need to love me. Repeat it again and again and again. And law after law that reminds us how to love our neighbor, how to love others as we would like to be loved ourselves. And we even get the very phrase, Julie read it to us earlier, verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one, anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. But being holy then is simply about being obedient to God, distinct from the world, which is summarized by loving your neighbor as yourself. And by doing that, that is the way in which we love the Lord God. Uh, chapter 20 uh, repeats uh, chapter 18, uh, but now adds on specific punishments for many of those sexual sins. And often the punishment is death. It's serious. Holiness then, obedience to God is a serious matter. It's not like it just doesn't matter. No, blood will need to be shed if we break God's moral laws. An eternity in hell, suffering his punishment and displeasure of a holy God awaits those if we don't take this call seriously. If we don't repent and ask for the blood of Jesus to take our place. If we don't respond to the free forgiveness that we receive when we come to Jesus in seeking his will and being obedient to him in response. Well, well, that's to undermine the whole point of being God's people. Remember, they were saved, brought out of Egypt, given a new land, and these are the instructions to live by. Not to be saved, they've already been saved. But this is how they show that they understood what happened. And it's the same for us. Jesus saves us to be holy. Yes, we won't be able to achieve it, but if we don't even want to try, we undermine the very blood of Jesus that saves us. So don't take the Lord's Supper, which we will share later, and disgrace the name and the blood of Jesus if you have no intention this week of striving to be holy. If you have no desire to be holy or to live for God or to serve him, if you just don't want to do it, don't disgrace the blood of Jesus. Uh, Jesus says himself in Revelation 3.16, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, uh, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be lukewarm, Christians. It's a dangerous place to be. Be either refreshingly cold or wonderfully warm. Pursue holiness. Otherwise, you might be spit out of the mouth and grace of God. So we seek holiness in response to the blood of Jesus. That's the overriding application of Leviticus, I think. To see God mercifully 
saving his people, giving us forgiveness freely through a sacrificial system of that. And in response, his people strive to be holy. So verse 26 of chapter 20, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Uh, finally, uh, we'll look at restoration despite disobedience. Uh, verse, uh, the uh, last few chapters of Leviticus. Uh, I trust as we've thought through Leviticus, uh, perhaps particularly uh, the passages, passages today, that they've reminded that our God, our Lord, is holy, and we are not. I trust that we have seen the need for a blood sacrifice. For them, animals that pointed forward to the perfect blood sacrifice and death of one perfect man, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. I trust that we have seen the essential need for God's people to rightly respond to his grace, his substitution, in seeking obedience to him. And I trust that we are painfully aware that at times we have not done what we are called to do. Uh, so most believers, uh, that will mean we, we simply daily repent. We restore our commitment to, to, to the Lord Jesus. We strive day after day to seek holiness in our lives. We, we don't get it right, but that's what we want to do. We try. And what a joy to know the blood of Jesus has saved us. But for some of us here, perhaps we've taken the Lord Jesus' blood for granted. And we've not been pursuing holiness. We've not wanted to live for God. We're perhaps lukewarm at best. We've exiled ourselves from the Lord God while still blindly assuming that, well, God doesn't really care what I do. I'll just, you know. And if that's you, well, you should rightly feel fearful at the end of Leviticus. Worst judgment is to come. Jesus may well spit you out if you have no desire to live for him. But we're not left hopeless. We do all have a choice. Uh, Leviticus 26, verse 14. But if they will, these are the people that have been sent off again because they failed to seek God's holiness. But if they will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness and their hostility towards me, which made me hostile towards them, that I sent them into the land of the enemies, then when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin, uh, that's through the sacrificial system, for us it's Jesus, I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. All any of God's people need to do, however severe our rebellion However long we have failed to take the pursuit of holiness seriously, all we need to do is to confess our unfaithfulness and our hostility to the Holy God. And the blood of Jesus will pay for all of our sin in full. God will remember his covenant of love to forgive his people to all who call on the name of Jesus. And you will be made holy by his blood. Restored to the promise of eternal life. There is hope for only through the blood of Jesus. And if 
that's you and you want to confess your sins perhaps for the first time or perhaps another time because you haven't taken his call to holiness seriously, then the Lord's Supper is for you. To be reminded that Jesus' blood was shed for you as we humble ourselves and confess our sins together. And we also celebrate his resurrection, the promise of his covenant that he will return and we will live together with him. Uh, if you've uh, confessed your sins uh, for the first time today, or you've realised uh, you've been wayward and ignored God's lordship in your life, then I'd really encourage you to chat to me or, or another Christian you know, so that we can pray with you and help you think through how to live well for the Lord. Uh, and if any of us want to think more seriously about um, the pursuit of holiness, there's a book by the same name. Uh, it's a bit of a classic. Many of you will have read it, but I'd encourage you to read The P Pursuit of Holiness uh, by Jerry Bridges. Uh, it's a really encouraging and challenging book to remind us of all that God has done for us and our right response to him. Let me pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the Lord. You simply say that your name is I am. We need know nothing else but you. We thank you that through humble confession of our sins, you freely forgive us by the blood of Jesus, his life for us. Forgive us when we have not pursued your ways, your holiness, your decrees in response. Renew us again, we pray. Work in us by your spirit so that we may seek your laws and your decrees rightly again in our lives. And when we fail, we thank you again for the blood of Jesus but awaken our hearts so that we may pursue holiness to glorify your name, to honour you before all else, so that we as a people look different to the world around us, so that they look in and they ask, what is it? And we point to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.